0: You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com.
1: Lord, I just thank you so much for Steve. I just thank you for the message you've put on his heart to deliver to all of us this morning. Lord, I just pray that your spirit will have your way amongst each and every one of us this morning. That will be touched just how you want us to be touched this morning, Jesus. Lord, we just pray for your anointing to fall on Steve once again, Lord. And just that our lives will be changed because of the work you're doing in us through Steve this morning. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, it's, it's great to come together and worship the Lord. Um, I know our lives are an offering of worship to Him. Everything we do is is worship for Him. Our work is worship for Him and things. But it's wonderful when we come together, uh, sing together in unity, some better than others, and uh, but we make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? And uh, the wonderful thing about that is is the songs that we sing are Scripture-based, and so we're singing them in unity. We're singing them together, whether it's a... Uh, beseeching the Lord or requesting uh, the Lord for something or declaring something about how great and awesome God is. Um, It's just wonderful to do that together. So my prayer is that you will all hear from God this morning. Maybe you already have, uh, but you'll go home, change. You'll You'll be more like Jesus. You'll be more committed to your faith. You'll be more committed to walking this out in your sphere of influence. That's Always, always our our prayer request. Our theme this year in 2017 is fruitfulness. And so we want to be uh, more of what God has called us to be. Uh, we want to keep growing. We want to keep moving forward, keep moving uh, ahead, learning more about his uh, word. I was reading in uh, Genesis this morning in the Chronological Bible, if you're going through that, um, the story of Joseph. And uh, Joseph is one of my favorite characters in in. In the word, and he got dealt a, a, a raw deal several times, falsely accused uh, every time in his life. But every situation he was in, he rose to the top of responsibility because he was faithful and because he did his work and served the Lord uh, rather than men. I, I like that about Joseph. He served his dad, uh, and then he served uh, Potiphar, the jailer, uh, the captain of the guard. Then he served uh, in prison. He served. Uh, in charge of the whole prison, then he served next to Pharaoh himself. But whatever he did, he was never at the top, but he always served God and he always impacted his sphere of influence. I want to encourage you to grow in every way. And please don't be fretful uh, about uh, the condition of our country or politics or things like that. Please don't argue and and throw up walls uh, among others. Uh, As soon as you throw out an opinion, you'd alienate half the population. It seems like And uh, our main call, our main battle cry, our main trumpet blast is Jesus. And that's who we're about. The Bible says, uh, we're uh, praying together with the elders this morning, the Bible says um, that God sets up kings and dominions, and he's the one that's in control. And Paul, uh, under the most brutal regime the world had ever known, the Roman Empire, they make uh, the Soviet Union look uh, pretty bad by comparison, Actually, no, in the last hundred years or so, uh, uh, two or three hundred million people perished uh, at evil empires around the world. That's, that's pretty bad in our world. We didn't see much of that here in America, but Paul wrote uh, during a tough time where people were being fed to the lions and, and, and uh, torn apart limb from limb and set on fire for being Christians, he said, pray for kings, pray for those in authority. Why? So that you might live quiet and peaceable lives. And so... Um, God does use the systems of this world for his purposes. And uh, although Rome was brutal and horrible and bad, uh, they set up a system of roads that went throughout the known world. And those were the roads that Paul traveled on and, and, and missionaries all the way up to Britain uh, and, and through Europe and uh, spreading the gospel way into the east. And um, so God's in control. So keep your peace Keep your joy. Pray for pray for our country. Pray for this nation, uh, which is slipping into godlessness very quickly. And biblical illiteracy. Uh, so that's why we're encouraging you to, uh, to get into the Word of God every day. Read the Bible every day, because we have a job to do. And I'll tell you what, the darker it gets out there, the brighter that we can shine. Uh, one candle in a brightly lit room doesn't make all that much difference, but one candle in the utter darkness makes a lot of difference. And so when we leave this place, which is brightly lit, uh, so to speak, we can be uh, shining beacons of hope and pointing people uh, to Jesus in our sphere of influence. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are in the book of Romans, and this is week number 370. And... um, (laughs) No, one's just kidding. I think 19. We're in week 19. We're going to go all the way. Just seeing if you're awake. What other group on this planet gets up at 9 o'clock on a gloomy Sunday morning and goes and hears a rock band, you know? Uh, we are weird people, so just embrace it. All right? Take a deep breath in and say, I'm already goner, so I might as well go all out for Jesus. All right? So, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, and Lord, please open our eyes in our ears that we might hear uh, from you this morning. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not, Paul says. And he's basing this assumption on chapters previous, talking about sin has separated us from God, that we have no hope, and Jesus uh, paved the way. He died in the in our place so that we could be set free so that we could have peace with God. That's justification and it's instantaneous. Now in these next few chapters, he's dealing about this ongoing growth that we have, this fruitfulness that we have in Jesus. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You could be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves, let yourselves. That means we had a choice in this. not that amazing? Before we were slaves to sin, we had to sin. We uh, had no choice. But now when we're set free, it doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. It just means we have a choice. You let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 is a very famous verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you can walk somebody through the plan of salvation in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, For the wages of sin uh, is death, eternal death. But the gift uh, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not in our own effort, but through what Jesus has done. And then in uh, Romans 10 it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. This is a wonderful message of good news. That's what we call the gospel. All right? So, here we are this morning. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, retirement today, all right? Retirement. Now, all of you are prepared for your retirement, right? All of you have saved properly. When you were younger, they told you to save, right? And you've all done that, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, if If you haven't, make sure you get to this Financial Peace uh, class on Tuesday nights. Uh, seriously, it's it's really good stuff. Uh, I remember talking to some young people once, and I did some research, and uh, what they showed uh, was that if a young person—now uh, all our young people, are, or a lot of our young people—are at uh, uh, winter camp this weekend, a whole big group, they're having a great time. They're away. Um, if a young person between the ages of 14 and 18, basically, you know, high school years, for four years. If they'll save $4,000 a year, and a lot of young people go, $4,000, you know, but it's possible. I've seen kids work really hard, mow lawns, you know, walk dogs, whatever it takes, uh, and, and save. Young people have more money slipping through their fingers than a lot of us adults do uh, because all of their money is discretionary spending. <laughs> uh, ours is all obligated already <laughs> before we even cash the check. Uh, But if they save $4,000 a year and then never save another penny and just put it in in a retirement fund, by the time they're 70 years old, it will be worth about $2 million. They don't have to save during their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. They just saved it early on because time is on your side when you retire uh, and do that. Time is on your side, all right? Now, some of you are not going to get that out of your head all day long. Uh, if a if a young adult uh, about uh, 25 years old decides to start saving, which is a good idea, it's always a good idea, and they save four thousand dollars a year, 25 year old for the rest of their life until they're 70, they'll have about one and three quarter million dollars for retirement. They'll have less than if the person, you know, who would just saved for four years. Uh, because it begins to build up this compound thing. So we, we learn about retirement. We learn that it's wise to save. Solomon said that it's wise to set uh, money aside, and all that is good. It's, we don't put our hope in that, but it's, it's, there's wisdom in there, as long as it doesn't become our God, our little G God, you know, that we worship and adore. Uh, but I'm going to be talking a bit about our eternal uh, retirement plan this morning. Uh, the things that we sow. You know, the Bible says that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And uh, we can sow things in uh, this time and we'll reap them in eternity. So let's start out with what we see in this passage here. Number one. And uh, oh, just a little side note. My wife used to ask me this. She'd whisper to me. Somebody would be preaching. They'd preach on one or two or three verses. And they'd have two or three points or five points or whatever. And she goes, how do, they know, how do you know that's right? like the points that they got out of there. And I said, well, it's just what they got out. And you could get maybe a couple more points or a couple different points. Uh, God's word is eternal. It's multi-layered, just like onions and ogres. Uh, Lots of layers in God's word. It's eternal. And uh, you can always, always, always learn something. So this is what I got out. I encourage you to get more out of it, to spend some time this week and meditate on that. So number one, no rules, yippee. <laughs> now this is funny All right, about half the population don't like rules about the other half of the population if you want to find out why come to my uh, uh, what's my type class in, in a couple weeks on a Friday night it's going to be fun um, but it, but it's roughly 50-50 in the population uh, some people don't like rules don't like to be told what to do uh, other people, they can't function without rules. What What do I do? I have to make a choice? It's not already decided for me? And so it's like both. And then these people... Now, in El Dorado County, we're not 50-50. We swing way over here with, don't tell me what to do. That's why I moved here. All right? Do We recognize that about ourselves. All right? Uh, we're way over here. So... Uh, rules are a good thing. Even in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. There was no sin. Adam and Eve walked with God every day. There was no there was no rules there except for one, and they broke that one. Uh, rules are for our benefits. And uh, so we have the law that had all kinds of rules, not only the Ten Commandments, but you read Exodus and Leviticus, and you'll see... Uh, Hundreds of rules and regulations, and and uh, that was to attain to a measure of righteousness uh, before God. And Jesus said, "I give you a new covenant. I'm bringing a new covenant here, and it's not you're not under the law anymore, but you're under grace. And so this is what uh, Paul says in verse 15. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free. From the law. We're not under the law anymore. So if you don't like rules, then you can go, yippee, no more rules. Rules? We don't need any rules. And some people really like that idea, but with freedom comes responsibility. There's a lot of folks in our political system that could learn from that principle. With freedom comes responsibility. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Jesus said in John 8, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Right? You are really free. You are truly free. That's what Jesus said. He came to bring us freedom from the tyranny of sin and self. It was all about my sin condition. It was all about me. And Jesus set us free from that bondage. First uh, Corinthians 6.12 You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So the... the Caveat here, the warning here is yes, you're free, but you're also going to have to face the consequences of your choices. Freedom is the right to be wrong, someone once said, not the right to do wrong. Freedom is the right to be wrong, not the right to do wrong. And so we don't want to become slaves to our freedom oh, I'm free. I don't have any rules. I can do this. I can do that. That used to be wrong. There was a rule against this. Oh, I can do this. Well, everything's lawful. The King James version of that verse says, but not all things are profitable. You're allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. So, oh, I got to make a choice. I got to decide. Well, it's way easier for somebody to decide for me Some people like to put themselves into a little rigid system of rules so that they don't have to think for themselves or get on their knees before Almighty God and say, can I do this or can I not do this? Wow, that's a big difference. With this freedom comes huge responsibility. Number two, so who's my master? Paul says in verse 16, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. Now this choice to obey is a big deal. It's not a, you know, like to a dog, sit. Okay, and they sit. They're, they're conditioned to do that. And that's, that's who they are. They want to please their master and things like that. But uh, what are the things that would cause you to obey either sin or God? Uh, a few of those things. Number one is a willingness. That means it's your choice. That's the thing about God. He's sovereign. He's the Almighty One. He's the ruler of the universe. And in His sovereignty, He chose to give you a will. You can say yes or you can say no to these things. So you want to be willing to say we want to obey God. So we have a willingness to. Um, It also requires an immediate response. Now, the immediate response is our attitude. That takes place inside our brain. The first thing before we do anything is that we have to decide to do that. Then we have this natural understanding. We go, I get it. I'm tracking with you, and and then we have our actions coming in quickly to make this adjustment. So first we have the attitude change instantly, and then we you know we're with it. We're we're on this thing, and then we make the, our actions conform to that. So a change of heart. The Life Application Bible Commentary says we were wholehearted sinners even if only in our desires now we are to be wholehearted servers but doing so requires grace repentance forgiveness the lordship of christ the power of the holy spirit restraint of our desires and disciplined effort so it's not easy to choose to obey and to live it out uh, we don't want to be slaves to anything, but at the same time, we, want to, we will be a slave to one or the other, and we want to choose to obey God, not choose to obey our sinful uh, desires. So, here's the crucial point for this whole thing. Either sin is your master, or God is your master. What Paul is saying here. Either you yield to sin, or you yield to God. And that's where our choice comes in. That's where the struggle takes place in our soul, between our flesh and our spirit, this ongoing struggle, this ongoing process of becoming more like Jesus, that's our sanctification, this process of being made holy, being saved. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He was talking about your sanctification, not your justification. We can't work out our justification. Jesus worked that out for us, and he said it's finished. So this process of growing in Him is our responsibility uh, to grow here. So um, when, when we're saved um, and when we're growing in Him, it doesn't mean that we're sinless. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we're on, on our way. And so this process of God working in us means that you're not planning to sin. Yes, we may sin, but you're not planning to sin. Tomorrow, I'm going to go out and rob a bank. I just need the money. All right? That does not take place in, a, in somebody following Jesus. You don't plan to sin. You don't have things in the cupboard that shouldn't be there so that you can sin when the house is empty. You don't, you don't plan on sinning. In fact, you hate, hate it when you do sin. You hate it. And, and you fight against this. It's ongoing struggle. Um you really want to di- diligently follow after God. You're really trying to. Uh, you're, you're studying God's Word. You're getting into God's Word so that you can see what it says. Uh, the psalm says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so you're getting into finding the ways of God. And I want to encourage you, please, 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 become biblically literate. That means know what's in here. A few, a few years ago, we went through the story. I think it was a 19-week series of Genesis to Revelation, a sweeping overview of the Bible. And if you weren't here during that time, get it. Go on Amazon and get the story. It's just uh, uh, the narrative of the big picture. We need to see, uh, start to finish the big picture, and then get into things more, more deeply, specific topics and things. And when we have this ongoing uh, choice to stay away from sin and We want to walk in open confession before God. That's instantaneously, as soon as I realize I've messed up, say, God, thank you for the grace that you've shown. I thank you that you've forgiven me. I thank you that when I asked you to forgive me, you did. And Lord, I I did this again. Please forgive me for this. And I want to get up and move on. Don't just wallow in your guilt and shame, things like that, as if you're going to add something to the price that Jesus already paid. Just admit it and quit it and get up and go on. move on. Uh, we don't have time to figure everything out in our lives. you don't have time to you know, oh, I have to wait a year because I messed up so bad and you know so I can't love God or do anything and just put yourself on the shelf. that's a lie of the enemy. Get up, dust yourself off, and move on. receive the Lord's forgiveness and, and serve him wholeheartedly uh, number three. Out of this passage, yes, sometimes you got to prove it. You got to put your money where your mouth is. You actually have to do something. Uh, Romans 6:18, "Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living." In verse 22, Paul says, "Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life." Do those things. Do something. In other words, serve God with the same fervor that you used to serve sin. And I know some of us used to serve sin very fervently. Serve God with the same fervor. And uh, that's that's what Paul is saying. (laughs) I know some people really worked hard at sinning. Really. And you've got to chuckle at yourself and say, uh, yep. And some of you have no idea because you were, you were so good. You were so well-behaved. You, you got some sin in there too. Ask God to show you what it is. Sometimes it's tougher uh, because the sins that you are carrying are respectable sins. That's what we think. Oh, those are... You know, when we hear somebody say, Oh, I'm struggling against pride. And we go, Oh... They are so wonderful because they're dealing with pride. Like as if that's something better than smoking, you know, or something like this. Like like we we put these things on. You know, sin is sin. Jesus died for all of our sin. And religiosity can be just as much sinful uh, as anything else. So all of us are working on something. Ask God to show you what that thing is. I'm sure you have an idea what it is those one or two or three things that you really hate about yourself that you know God wants you to deal with. Don't get disgusted with yourself. Don't give up. Keep fighting the battle. Keep asking for his grace. Keep serving him. Keep pushing forward. I'll bet if you thought back, if you really love Jesus, I bet you think back a few years ago and you go, ah, you know what? I don't really struggle with those things anymore. Thank you, Jesus. You got me through that. And Thank you for leading into this next list of things that i got to take care of. And this is this ongoing struggle where Paul said, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it, will perfect it, will mature it in you until the day of Jesus Christ. It's going to go on, folks, until we see Jesus. Uh, Joshua one eight, one of my favorite verses in the Bible out of the King James Version, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate Therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So Joshua has just taken over leadership of the children of Israel, about between three and five million people. That's a pretty big responsibility. And God says to Joshua, you keep this word in your heart. You meditate on it. You meditate on it day and night. And how could you meditate on it day and night when you, when you don't even know what's in there? Memorize a few of those and get them in there so that you can have them in your heart. Uh, uh, Booth, William Booth. Who started uh, Salvation Army? William Booth. I was going to say John Wilkes Booth, but not him. Uh, he started Salvation Army. He, for the uh, first couple decades of his adult life, he worked in a factory. And that, that was the days when you didn't have eight hour days, 40 hour weeks. Uh, sun up till sundown, you know, sometimes 14 hour days. And he would have five minutes maybe in the morning to read something, memorize a verse real quickly. And then as he's working in the factory all day long, he would meditate on God's word and get it in there. We can do it. We could do it if we want. You know, human beings have this innate ability to find a way to do something they really want to do. You have a, a, a fantastic way, kids, young people, they have a fantastic way to be able to pay for something that they really want to do. They'll get the money. They really want it. They'll get the money. They'll come, come up with it somehow. We will do the things that are important to us. So God says to Joshua, get this word in. You meditate on it day and night, not to stop there and to just enjoy all your knowledge, but he says that you may observe to do. All that is written in it. So not only do we want to know God's word, we want to do it. This is this outworking of our faith. And James says pretty much the same thing. He says, now some may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. In other words, your good deeds aren't your faith. That's the outworking of your faith. The good deeds are on the outside. Your faith is on the inside. Your good deeds are the outworking of what takes place in here because only God sees your heart, but the whole world sees everything else. Paul says to Timothy, you, you keep uh, uh, moving forward and growing so that people may see your progress. Why? Because it encourages us when we see your progress, when we see each other growing and maturing. So finally, retirement everyone has an eternal 401k everybody you may not have a 401k down here on earth but you got an eternal one because you're laying up treasures in heaven you're laying up treasures for eternity whether good or evil retirement is a big deal so as as believers you know talk about retirement Retirement is the part of your life where time is no longer money. Remember the phrase "time is money." Retirement is where time is no longer. Oh, it doesn't matter what I do. There's no money anyway. All right, that's retirement. Or um, reti- retired husband is often a wife's full-time job. So that's all too often too true. But we have this. We have this future coming up for us in eternity and so here's the thing about authentic christianity authentic christianity is both very flexible and at the same time very rigid it's flexible in that you can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want as a believer it's very rigid in that whatever you choose to do, you must accept responsibility for your actions and you must endure its consequences. Sometimes they're temporal consequences. Your health choices are going to affect your health. That's, that's here and now. Some choices you make are going to affect you for eternity this verse in Romans at the end of the passage here again for the wages of sin is death but the gift the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the message this is a paraphrase of the same verse work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death but God's gift is real life eternal life delivered by Jesus our Master. Isn't that amazing? The Life Application Bible Commentary says, I'm sorry, it's the Preacher's Outline Study Bible says, the degree to which a believer grasps the love of God in justification is the degree to which he is driven to serve God and to live righteously in sanctification. So, the truth is, we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what we sow. Sometimes we think that, oh, I might be getting away with it. You're not going to get away with it. You'll reap what you sow. And the sad thing is, that in eternity, you can't change that. You, you've, you've sown that, and you're going to reap that. And, and eternal life is something that can actually start now because that the, one of the translations of, of the verse or the word eternal refers to the quality of life. So when you say yes to Jesus, your eternal life starts now. This is real life. It's authentic life. It's the life that Jesus died for. In John 10.10 10, he says it's the abundant life that, that he so desires for us. So the focus of eternal life really isn't, oh, oh, the future, of the future, but it's now. It's Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus now. And yes, I am laying up treasures in heaven because of the fruit of the relationship that I have with Him now. Jesus says in John 17, 3, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus equates eternal life here with the knowledge of the Father and the Son. This life that we have in God. And here's a good question for us today. How do you know that you have eternal life? How do you know that you have eternal life? Some of us are so sure, and we're so thankful and so grateful that our whole life reflects that. Others of us kind of, like this. I've been married to Terry now. Uh... Just in a couple weeks, it'll be 43 years. 43 years. You know what? Over that time, there's a few times I didn't feel married. But I was married. You might have a day or two here and there where you go, "Ah, I don't feel like a Christian today. But if you said yes to Jesus, you don't have to doubt that. You don't have to worry about that. You haven't denied him. Some people may go off the deep end and deny him, but that's not you. Here's what Jesus said regarding the good news. The good news is that Jesus is Almighty God. He died for your sins. He rose again on the third day. We believe in this and we trust in Him as our Savior and His promises that we will be saved. In 1 John 5, this is what John the Apostle says and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have eternal life. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? He wrote this to you. So that you may know that you have eternal life. That's to believe in Him, to place your hope in Him, to place your trust in Him. My prayer is that not one single person will leave this room today without having a hope and a trust and a faith in Jesus. And out of a life of gratitude and thankfulness, begin to live and to sow things that will reap eternally. Amen? Father, thanks for this word today. We thank You that You are so gracious. Something that is so amazing, this grace that you offered us. You said that we have freedom. It's such a a huge thing, so flexible. We have freedom to live how we feel that you've called us to live, but at the same time to walk humbly and to walk knowing that we will reap what we sow and that we have consequences for our choices. Thank you for this freedom that you've given us. And thank you for the responsibility that we have to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Church, for those of you who have been here, you know the routine. Others, we like to stand at the end. We like to worship Jesus. We like to take communion. Jesus said, and his, at the last supper, he said, he picked up the very broken. He said, this represents my body. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. We need to always remember what he's done for us. And so we do that by taking communion, and then he took the cup and he said, this is, represents my blood which will be shed for you, that represents a new covenant. When you said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and that there's a step there. Not just the believing that Jesus is who he said he is, but the fact that Jesus, you are Lord of my life. When you've said that, you've been entered into a covenant relationship with him. Your sign, still delivered with the Holy Spirit. But you need to do that as often, remember that as often as you will too. So there's one man that goes throughout history that we remember over and over again and that's Jesus so let's stand let's worship Jesus if you want prayer for anything come up here after service maybe you've been struggling you've been a slave to sin for far too long and you're like I just can't deal with it well let's pray for you Jesus the Bible says confess your sins to one another because exposure to the light is a big part in dealing with with that because God's love language is obedience, and He wants you to be obedient to Him because that is truly freedom when we are walking with Jesus hand in hand, rid of all this other stuff this world throws at us. We have our offering baskets in the front and the back. You have a ticket on here if you're new and visiting and you want more information about Westside. Fill out these, tear it off, and put it in one of the offering baskets. Church, we love you.